Welcome to Shoot This Now, the podcast where every week we talk about stories that should be made into TV shows and movies. My name is Tim Malloy. Hello. This week I got to talk to Charles Ferguson, the director of the excellent, weirdly funny, totally awesome documentary Watergate, which is in theaters now and is going to the History Channel in November. Um, Before we go any further, if you could please take a minute to go on iTunes and give us five stars or recommend this to a friend or whatever if you think we deserve it, that would be Fantastic. You can ask questions like, hey, Tim, how come you can't pronounce the word water properly? You always say water. Um, Because I was taught to talk in the Philadelphia area. Uh, Why did you decide to do an entire episode about Watergate when water is a word that you clearly cannot say properly? I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. Hey, where's Matt Donnelly? Stay tuned. Anyway, get at us and ask us your questions and give us your reviews and do all that stuff. So, Back to Watergate. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that I'm pretty obsessed with the 1970s. Of our 42 episodes, I guess half have something to do with that fantastic decade. I think it's an incredible time for storytelling. It's definitely the best decade ever for film. And that's partly because of the 1970s an era when so many American institutions almost totally broke down from the government to the military to even the internal combustion engine with the gas crisis. And at the heart of that breakdown was Watergate. When things fall apart, you find out who people truly are, and some amazing stories emerge, and that is also the case with this story. Ferguson's film, Watergate, he's also the director of the Oscar-winning Inside Job, combines real archival footage with word-for-word reenactments based on President Nixon's own real recordings by actors who are really quite good. Usually I'm not a huge fan of historical reenactments and documentaries, like LBJ just pops up looking nothing like LBJ, and you kind of wonder what he's doing there. But Ferguson's actors are not your typical boring reenactors. They feel sweaty and jittery and swaggering and alive. They really help this thing move. And it does really, really move despite a four-hour running time. It's funny, though, to talk about Watergate because everyone, including me, feels like we know everything there is to know about it. But if we had to explain it, we would end up sounding like somebody on Drunk History. So let me give my best attempt after writing down a couple of notes that I will read you now. President Nixon, elected in 1968, was incredibly good at delegating dirty jobs. He would even tell his underlings that he wanted them to do certain things and then say he didn't actually want him to do everything he told them to do. He had to leave it to them to decide what they were supposed to carry out and what they weren't. But there is one thing he definitely wanted them to do, and that's get dirt on Democrats. We still don't know whether he personally ordered the 1972 break-in at the Democratic headquarters in the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C., but we do know this. He tried to cover it up. And we know that because Nixon himself, and this still blows my mind, had a secret taping system in the Oval Office, which implicated him in several attempts to cover up the investigation. Watergate is such a cultural touchstone and such a turning point for America that I think we all kind of go, yeah, 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 and glaze over the details. But as Ferguson's movie shows us, the details are fascinating and still shocking and funny. It's kind of incredible how much we reference Watergate even when we don't realize it. For example, when people say it's not the crime, it's the cover-up, that's from Watergate. When people say, what did Blank know, and when did Blank know it, that's from Watergate. When people say a reporter's source is Deep Throat, that's from Watergate, the name of Bob Woodward's best source that came from a porn movie. I'm sorry, that made it sound like the source came from the porn movie. Uh, I meant the name came from a porn movie. Bob Woodward's sources do not come from porn movies, as far as I know. When people say Deflategate, Donutgate, Envelopegate, Gamergate, Nipplegate, Camillagate, Bountygate, or Waitergate, or any of the other gates we've enjoyed so much over the last decades, That's all from Watergate. 
They either turn to draw ironic distance between the seriousness of Watergate and the silliness of the current scandal, or to imply that the current scandal is every bit as bad as Watergate, which it pretty much never is. When people say follow the money, that's actually not from Watergate. It's an amazing line that William Goldman, the greatest screenwriter of my lifetime, wrote for All the President's Men, a movie about, yes, Watergate. William Goldman is such a good writer, in fact, that I grew up thinking Woodward and Bernstein, the reporters portrayed by Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman and All the President's Men, basically tag-teamed the takedown of President Nixon. It turns out, from watching Watergate, Ferguson's Watergate, that they didn't. It took a lot of work from a lot of other people, Democrats and Republicans alike, who, I think, did it more out of a belief that they needed to save American democracy than out of partisan motives. If Republicans hadn't turned on their president, he wouldn't have gone down. Charles Ferguson's movie has an alternate title, How We Learned to Stop an Out-of-Control President, and he hasn't gone out of his way to draw comparisons between Nixon and Trump, because he hasn't had to. Pretty much everyone who's seen the documentary has made connections. You may be thinking to yourself, hey, Shoot This Now is supposed to be the podcast where you talk about stories that should be made into movies and TV shows, and Watergate has already turned up in a lot of movies, from All the President's Men, to The Post, to Nixon, to Dick. But talking to Ferguson, it's clear to me that there are a lot of lesser-known players in the Watergate drama whose points of view could definitely carry more films. I myself will go see pretty much anything about Watergate. We held this interview after screening at UTA, the agency that represents Ferguson, and that's why I mentioned them at one point during the interview. If after listening to this, there are things you still want to know or questions you think we should have asked, we'll try to get your answers if you want to hit us up at ShootThisNowPod. That's at ShootThisNowPod on the Twitter machine. Be like my mom. Follow us on Twitter. And with all that said, here's our interview with Charles Ferguson, director of Watergate. Like a lot of people here, I was kind of raised by Hollywood, and I think I grew up with the impression that Woodward and Bernstein basically single-handedly brought down the president, and that is certainly not true. Can you talk about the people who really were involved in ending the Nixon presidency? Um, yes, and uh, Woodward and Bernstein, uh, I think, played an extremely important role, but, but your comment is absolutely right. Uh, that it, it took a total of, I, I would say that there were about two dozen people who were utterly critical in how this ended up. And, um, and I, I came away with uh, the feeling after having done all the research for this and made this film, talked to all these people at great length. By the way, I interviewed Richard Benavidesi for five hours, poor guy. Uh, that's why he said, get out of here. <laughs> um, I, I came away with the feeling that, that yes, this was a, a triumph of the constitutional system and the American system, but it was also a triumph of the, the courage and ethics and determination of a relatively small number of people, and that um, if it hadn't been for them, this could have come out a very different way. Uh, the special prosecutors, obviously, uh, Elliot Richardson and William Ruckelshaus having the courage to resign. Um, Elliot Richardson, when he resigned, was a huge establishment figure, had held multiple cabinet offices, etc. Uh, wealthy East Coast wasp, so one could argue that he wasn't risking much. But William Ruckelshaus, when he resigned, he, 
he was a kid from the Midwest and had no money, and he was putting it all on the line. Uh, and so was Dan Rather, you know. Uh, uh, came from absolutely nowhere in rural Texas, went to some tiny Texas teacher's college, um, got picked up by a local TV station in Texas, then eventually made his way to CBS News. Um, and uh, many of the people who were most critical in this, including the, the three junior special prosecutors, there are actually a, a total of about six, not all of whom are still living, unfortunately. Um, there's, there's one who is still living who I regret not having put in the film, Phil Lokovara, uh, who with Leon Jaworski made the arguments in the Supreme Court. He's still alive. Um, you really introduced me to Elizabeth Holscomb, who I knew nothing about. Yes. Now, UTA, I feel like there should be a movie of her life. I mean, she stood up to two presidents. Incredible. Yes. Uh, her, yes, absolutely. Uh, her and also Barbara Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Barbara, there is a movie being made now uh, about Barbara Jordan's life. Tony Kushner is writing the script. I ran into him a few days ago. I'd heard of her, I and this is my ignorance, I really didn't know how much of a role Holscomb played. Yeah, yeah, she was very important. Uh, 32 years old when she was elected to Congress, uh, 33 and 34 when she did that. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to be between her and something she wanted. <laughs> She's, uh, and, you know, well, you, you saw, you saw. You got what must have been one of the last interviews of John McCain's life. I don't know when exactly you talked to him. He did not have a lot of time left. Why was it important to him to talk to you? Uh, I think it had something to do with a sense of legacy. Um, I, I regret not putting more of the interview in the film. Um, it, in a sense, it didn't fit you know we talked about many things uh we talked a lot about vietnam uh we talked a lot about his own experience in vietnam his own experience coming back from vietnam uh he felt an enormous debt of gratitude to richard nixon for bringing him and those prisoners back uh he had been tortured horribly by the north vietnamese um he still had very uh, hawkish views about the Vietnam War, which I think were the understandable uh, product of his personal experience. He was the fifth generation of his family to go into the military. His father, uh, sorry. You were... Well, I was just wondering, did you think he was trying to send a message through you that you can take down an out-of-control president? Uh, absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, no question. Uh, I, I very deliberately did not ask him about Donald Trump. Uh, and I oh, very... I didn't mean Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Just well done, sir. <laughs> um, I and and for similar reasons, the name Donald Trump does not appear anywhere in the film. There's no. Um, no direct allusion to our current situation. Um, but it, it was very obviously on Mr. McCain's mind. I, 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 it wasn't the first time I met him. I've met him a number of times. Um, I'm a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. He had 
come a number of times to the council i actually a long time ago when i was a policy wonk i testified before him and his committee i've always i always found him a tremendously impressive man i often disagreed with him i often thought that he made some serious mistakes in life but i also found him to be a tremendously impressive person when did you talk to him did he have his diagnosis and everything at that point he probably did yes i i you know i obviously didn't ask him about it but yeah my guess is that you already knew what did you learn about watergate that you didn't know before i felt like i learned about in in the two two hour and ten minute film i feel like i learned about two hours of things i didn't know um but you went into this with a lot of knowledge was there anything that really surprised you yes i i, I would say that um Two things. I mean, many many specific facts, obviously, but but uh, two kind of important things. One was this idea that that actually the system was very fragile, and if it hadn't been for the courage and dedication and ethics and uh, daring of a relatively small number of people, um, maybe it wasn't two dozen, maybe it was three dozen, but you know, not ten thousand, a relatively small number of people, that we could be in a very different place. And and you know, look when you when you look at who's in Congress now versus who who was in Congress then, and when you look at who runs media companies now versus who runs media companies then, you know, Catherine Graham, that woman had a spinal cord made of titanium, and it's difficult for me to imagine. I won't name names, but you know your average media executive these days, saying, you know, those aren't his notes; those are my notes. <laughs> and if anyone's going to go to jail, it's going to be me. Yeah. Very hard to imagine that. Uh, so that was that was one thing was the, the importance of individuals. Yeah. And the other thing was uh, the incredible amount of coordination that occurred without explicit discussion it wasn't that everybody got into a room together friday evenings and said you know what do we do next week about watergate it was everybody just understanding what needed to happen yeah and making it happen themselves and hoping guessing that the other people would do the right thing the incredible amount of coordination that occurred between the supreme court congress the special prosecutors and the media, and even the lunch date where Potter Stewart sort of let slip that we would let a certain type of a certain type of decision go, but not another type of decision. That's amazing crossing of lines for I guess the good of all. Yeah, I was really struck, and I'm always there's also something by the way that that's in the that's in the first half of the film, um, just before the first Watergate trial started, Judge Sirica uh, called. Woodward into his office and said, you know, this is like really weird. Uh, the prosecutor says it was just these five guys, but I've got a subscription to the Washington Post. <laughs> if I read you, it's a little bit different than that. What do I do about this? Uh, so, yeah. What strikes me living in the world now is the courage of the Republican senators and congressmen who turned on Nixon, such as Goldwater, in a very direct, very hard, very confrontational way, that I just 
don't think we're seeing now. Is that because their character has changed, or have we just not had a president who is that out of bounds since <laughs> since um, Nixon? I, I think mainly I think it's the character of Congress has changed. Um, obviously, there's much more partisanship now than there has been for quite a while, uh, but. I actually don't think that's the main problem. I think that the main problem is um, the influence of money. Yeah. So now, obviously, there's the money associated with you know how much you have to raise in order to win, but that's not the main problem, yeah. actually. The main problem is that now, um, I'd be interested to know how many people in the audience know this. It's not, it's not a terribly well-known statistic. I think it's perhaps one of the most important statistics about America today. Um, when people leave Congress now, where do they go? Two-thirds of them become lobbyists. And so getting into Congress has become this kind of ticket that you have to stamp on your way to getting a $2 million a year lobbying gig. And that obviously has a big effect on who goes to Congress. Whatever did they do before? <laughs> uh, it, it, actually, you know, in, in this generation, the generation you just saw for two hours, people were not wealthy. Mm. Uh, and that was okay. Uh, it was okay for a number of reasons. One was that although they weren't wealthy, they were comfortable. And everybody had kind of confidence in the system, confidence in the nation, confidence that society would take care of them, confidence that they would be okay. And for the most part, that confidence was justified. Uh, but we now live in a very different nation, a very different economy. I always think of the 70s as a time when everything sort of broke down. All of our institutions broke down from you know, the military to the government to the police to you name it. And pe uh, people really lost faith in a lot of those institutions, and then some people came in and tried to rebuild. Are we in a time like that now? Am I misunderstanding what the 70s was? Because I feel like it was as close as we've ever been to, like, The Walking Dead. Well, a lot of things fell apart, but a lot of things started getting put back together. And uh, But, you know, now they've fallen apart again. Uh, where we are now, uh, that's anybody's guess. Yeah. You included, and I thought this was really, really showed a lot about your fairness. You included a speech from Nixon at the end that is a, frankly, beautiful speech. Where I really respected what he was saying. Um, why did you think it was important to sort of give him a moment in the sun at the end of it? Uh, Richard Nixon was a tremendously impressive man. Very intelligent, uh, very far-sighted, and. Uh, in some ways very idealistic and did many, many good things in both domestic and foreign policy, uh, the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency, for example, and uh, a very, therefore a very tragic figure because he had also these demons, this incredible dark side. Yeah. So I, I felt it was important to show that. I, I think we should let these people ask questions. If yeah. Um, go for it. Present day, who are making jokes, and obviously that great sequence at the end. 
Can you tell us, is that something you keep out? Is that a part of your style? Would a different director have not included those clips? Well, I don't know what a different director would have done, but... Did it, everyone hear that okay? Um, it, the question was about humor and jokes in, in the film. Um, uh, there was a hell of a lot of funny stuff, you know, and just crazy stuff. And much of which I didn't show. Uh, there, Many, many, many really, you know, kind of hysterically funny, darkly humorous, or just humorous things happened. Um, and I, I felt it was important to show that. Yeah. We have time for one more. Um, yes, sir. I'm just curious: were the reenactment scenes added at the end of the process, or did you plan to film those scenes from the very beginning? Yeah, I should have. I should have made a comment earlier about the reenactments. They they, they were they were planned and and uh, done from the beginning. So uh, there's 3,500 hours roughly of the Nixon tapes. Um, and the audio quality of them is mostly very, very poor. Some of them were pretty good because they were on telephones or the microphone happened to be nearby, but overall their quality is poor. And also these people were, uh, especially Nixon, uh, were insanely digressive, ungrammatical, random, you know, I want a coffee now, give me a coffee now, you know, in the middle of, you know, tell me about this bribery thing we're doing. <laughs> um, and so uh, I didn't want to submit people to 45 minutes of listening to that and you know watching a still image of Richard Nixon or something. So I thought, what do I do? And so that's why I did the reenactments. But, but, and, and at the beginning of the film, the beginning of part one, I explain that and I go out of my way to say everything that these people say is completely accurate. It's exactly what they said. So I didn't add a single word. I didn't change a single word. What I did is I cut out a lot of words. And and then I had people speak in, you know, relatively clear, well microphoned, <laughs> etc. That so that's why that's why I did them. Uh, the majority of the reenactments are in uh, the first half of the film just because of the chronology, because uh, the system was turned off for reasons that you saw in July of 73. And your actors are incredible, and that's unfortunately the last thing I can say because we're out of time, because I could talk about this for hours. Congratulations. Thank, thank you all. Thank you, sir. And we'll see you outside.